Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The Browns bounce back, the Rams get rattled, Minshew mania continues and Burfitt gets banned. We're looking back at all the thrilling week four action. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. It was a roller coaster of emotions inside committee room nine as we were served up with another brilliant week of action. We'll also be looking back at our week four live event. We'll be giving out our weekly awards to hear your thoughts on who should win what... And then it's on to the week five matches as we prepare for the first ever NFL game at the new Spurs Stadium in London. We'll then give an update on our pick six competition as we had our first bagel, donut, rubber ring, big fat zero of the 2019 season and his team blew it too. A tough week for one member of the NFL Scotland team. (laughs) Thankfully it wasn't me. And as ever, we finish up with some of the latest news hitting the league. But let's kick off by looking back at our live event in Glasgow. And Cameron, what a live event it was. Committee Room 9 did us well with the setup, the preparation, the big poster of which I've got a picture of as well. And it was a great, great afternoon. It really was. We sold this one out in a week, which was a great sign to kick things off. And we had a good crowd turn up. There's always a few people drop off. And I think there's a couple of people taking part in the actual, the Great Scottish Run on the Sunday morning. So we always knew there would be one or two not quite making it. But actually, it was probably the right amount of people for the room. I think, you know, if if everyone had turned up, it would have been brilliant, but it would have been absolutely rammed. However, a great show, a great opportunity as well to sit with some new guests in front of a new new audience and talk about NFL. Yeah, let's talk about our guests. We had Scott Cooper, Jamie McLaughlin, Gordon McGuinness and Ian Stephen. We'll just talk very briefly about them. Scott gave such an insight to his time with the Claymores, how it started, how he got over there and, and, you know, basically as he said, how he made a career out of it. And he did, yeah. For him, he's thanked us a number of times for bringing him back into the spotlight. But I sort of said to him, you know, you've never left it. Because as soon as you mention your name, everybody knows who you are. And everybody was there to hear what he had to say. Great to hear stories from his time at the Claymore's it was brilliant to see his World Bowl ring as well that he brought along. Well, that was a, a real special moment to get my hands on that one. Ultimately, as a player that I watched as a teenager, and I was telling him this, you know, I, I my first real experience of the NFL, other than recording super late Cowboys games on Channel 4, was going along to Murrayfield and seeing the Scottish Playmores live in person, not really understanding all the details of the game, but there were certain players that always stood out. And Scott Cooper was absolutely one of them. You know, he was saying that Gavin Hastings, of course, was the, probably the big Scottish name at the beginning because he had that rugby pedigree. Everybody in Scotland knows Gavin Hastings. Nobody knew Scott Cooper when he came into it, but certainly anybody that knew anything about the Claymores knew about Scott Cooper come the end. And what a great career he had with them. Oh, tremendous. I mean, apart from the dodgy touchdown dance, which we did highlight, um, <laughs> it, it was all great. Now, Jamie McLaughlin as well came along, and Jamie does a lot of coaching now. And it was fascinating, again, just to get his insight and, you know, talking about the way that the game is in not only Scotland, but in Britain. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, the Pirates are huge. They've got a massive group of people. They were very well represented on the night when we called out at the beginning, you know, um, who's here from these Cobra Pirates. There was a massive cheer in the room, which is brilliant that the Pirates were along, not just to support Jamie, but obviously to support us as well, which we'll jump on his bandwagon when it comes to that. Um, but you're right. It was fascinating to hear his take on things. Obviously, he was a wide receiver himself but he's now a quarterback coach so he was chatting through some of the details of what he's looking for in a player and 
interesting for me to hear both Scott and Jamie talk about how the attitude is so much more important than some of the raw ability. You know, there's certain things that you can't teach um, and some of that is around attitude you know that's something you've either got or you don't have you can be taught how to catch you can be taught how to run the right route you can be taught how to create the separation but if your attitude isn't right you're going to go absolutely nowhere Uh, and isn't it so true with all this stuff you know and again look at the attitude of some of the big superstars I say with inverted commas in the air um, of the NFL and some of them not playing on a team at the moment very much down to their lack of good attitude so really fascinating to hear both those guys a lot of youngsters in the room as well uh, we had Jonathan Letham who we've spoken about and heard from on this podcast uh, obviously went down to the academy he's come back up to Scotland for this year but he's got a guaranteed place for next year so he'll be at that fascinating to meet him and what a size he is he's a, <laughs> he's a unit lad. he's a unit um, yeah, we must speak to John Letham as well. I must reach out to John, who was also part of the the Claymores as well. You know, there was a couple of Scottish players involved. He was one of them, so we'll definitely try and speak to John at some point. But you, do you know what? The feedback was really good. I think people really enjoyed the event, and I think what I enjoyed the most though was the atmosphere watching the games afterwards. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a shout out to to the NFL Scotland's Gordon McGuinness, who was a, a fine guest. Love the explanation of, you know, the different styles of defence uh, that New England were playing. And also to even Stevens, Ian Stephen for breaking down uh, the Eagles against Packers. Of course, he was on the winning side, which helps with that. But the atmosphere in the room, we had two screens for those people who weren't there. One had Red Zone, one had the Bills Patriots. And surprisingly, I was quite taken aback at the, how much hate there was for the Patriots in the room. Um <laughs> And not just them, but also the Chiefs. I think that people were very much rooting for the Bills and very much rooting for the the Lions, who have been an absolute turnout for the books. You know, I think we all wrote the Lions off big time, but they were they gave the Chiefs more than a game, which was fascinating to see. Well, that moves us on to the games rather nicely now. I thought the Lions, that would have been a signature win. But I'll tell you what, Cameron, I think now their next game's important because you can go one of two ways. You can either say we were so close against one of the best teams in the league or you can crumble. Be very, very interesting. I thought Matthew Stafford had a really good game. The other good games from last week, I mean, the Raiders, I'm surprised the Raiders beat the Colts. But how good is that for them coming to Wembley as a two and two team? It's always good. I beg your pardon, they're coming to the new Spurs stadium. How good good it is when teams actually are coming over here with their season still very much not only alive because even at one and three your season's alive but you're just coming with that positive momentum the Bears held off the Vikings highly disappointed in the Vikings I thought they were really poor Bears did their job they've had two good wins in a week so they're bubbling again so that sets it up rather nicely well the the Bears interesting one there as well and where it plays into the hands of the Raiders a little bit is that it well we think it does is Mitch Trubisky is probably not going to feature in this game he has travelled over to London I saw someone suggest that that might be to get some free NHS healthcare while he's here Uh, I think (laughs) that he's probably getting some good stuff over there but uh, Chase Daniel did a pretty decent job under centre and I thought when I saw him go out the game early I thought oh the Bears could be in trouble here the form of Dalvin Cook has been so strong but to be fair that Bears defence is absolutely tremendous and it's probably the first game that I've gone to see in London where it's the defence that I'm most excited about watching I think that it's going to be fascinating to see Khalil Mack up against his old team and it's going to be interesting to see how Gruden tries to deal with that absolute I mean they're monsters all across that front seven solid in the secondary they're superb 
they are a dangerous, dangerous defense. And if the Raiders are going to win, they're going to have to score a bunch of points because Chase Daniel did just enough to get the Bears down the the, the field uh, and the kicker seems to be good. He's hitting them in. Good old Eddie there in Chicago. He'll go down well. So it is, you're right yourself for it as an absolute tasty one. It is. And I actually think, you know, Chase Daniel will be the instruction from John Gruden. I think they'll just go after him. And I think the Raiders' defence possibly isn't as bad as we thought. But we have to talk about the hit and the suspension. Now, it will come up in the ball bag award, but have you seen a worse hit this season? No, and I think that given the new rules as well, given the position that Doyle's in, there's just no need to make it. I think that perfect uh, is a player who's got a reputation for this and you only need to look at the responses on social media clearly there's outcry from Oakland they feel like they're being hard done to they feel like they're being treated differently they're citing uh, the Chandler Jones one and the hit that he put on Allen but it's not the same thing at all I'll tell you, I mean, this might be slightly controversial. I've got some sympathy for the Raiders because I think there is an element of double standard going on. However, it's not his first suspension. It's not his first rodeo. And I think it's this is the classic came case over suspending you to the end of the season and it'll probably get half. He'll probably be allowed to come back some point mid-November. I think that's how it's going to go. Rather, because if, if they'd given four games, I still think they would have appealed it and they might have cut it down to three. Um, so I think there's a bit of gamesmanship going on in both. I think it overshadowed what was a good performance by Carr and I really enjoyed the way that the Raiders played the Colts credit to them. They, they came back pretty well. Yeah. While we're talking about disappointments, what's wrong with the Falcons? Uh, it's a good question. Last season they had the injuries, and that was the reason that they uh, certainly that was the reason that was given out for them stinking up the place. They had so many players go out, and to be fair to them, they did. But Dan Quinn's got most of his pieces back, and they are not doing it. They're really not doing it. And the Titans have been, you know, we put them out as last week's sort of disappointment. They were a major letdown. But they bounce back and they kind of cruised it against Atlanta. The Falcons are in a, in a difficult place. And if they don't buck their trends, it's a division that they'll find themselves out of touch in very, very quickly. Well, let's touch on the other teams in that division because they're probably going to get a little bit of love for performance of the week. But the Buccaneers, 55, the Rams, 40. Now, if you'd said to me there's going to be 95 points scored in LA, I would have thought, wow, how much are the Rams going to win by? But I'll tell you what, I mean, you know me, I've knocked the Bucks, I've knocked Jameis Winston. I love the coaching appointment. But to me, you know, you tip the whole hat off here to the Buccaneers. What a result that was. And across the board, they played really, really well. I thought that Jameis Winston did everything that he needed to do. A really impressive performance from him. I thought his offensive line were really good. I thought the defense was superb as well. They really put the pressure on the Rams all the way through the game and were every bit as instrumental in winning it. You know, that's a franchise record for the Buccaneers, 55 points. And to go and do that in L.A., you know, that's that's what we were seeing Mahomes go and do in the absolute thriller on the Monday night football game last year when we were coming back from New Orleans. But to go and do that against what was an unbeaten Rams at L.A., and the Buccaneers themselves being a little bit hit and miss, going into the game one and two, they come away from it two and two. I don't think anyone would have anticipated that. 
Uh, and we'll come on to the awards um, because there's a certain Buccaneers player that's definitely going to be in the running for one of them. But I actually thought there was numerous players across the board that could really be pulled out for individual performances as well as that overall team performance. One thing I'm going to do very quickly because I know that Lauren Callahan's going to get on to me if I don't know this. I said Chandler Jones was the Patriot. Of course, Chandler Jones is at the Cardinals. It's Jonathan Jones was the guy who hit Alan. Sorry, just wanted to put that on there. We'll move on. <laughs> that's okay. No, you, you move seamlessly into... <laughs> How about them cowboys? How about, How about them, them cowboys? cowboys? Hey? Absolutely, yeah, that's wandering it. Around, wandering around down Bourbon Street, going to all the dances before the games, and in the old Scottish parlance, we sent them homewards to think again. Uh, wasn't pretty particularly by the Saints. Great D from the Saints. Lutz is the kicker, 12-10. Uh, I mean, uh, it was a interesting game. I think that was the thing, despite the scoreline. Um, you know, not really an offensive bonanza. I think it was an interesting game. But a, c- a couple of other wee shout-outs. C- c- can I be annoyed for a moment? Of course. You usually are. D- to be fair, yes. <laughs> what are the Redskins doing chucking Haskins into a game like that? I'm sorry. You either start the guy or you say Keenum just should have played the game out against the Giants. You write it off, and then you go in Monday morning. Dwayne, you're the man. Off you go. Yes. To bring a guy in who's not had all the snaps, who's not prepared for it, who is, you know, your future quarterback, and just to throw him to the, the, the wolves like that, I just thought was really, really bad. I thought that was an appalling piece of coaching. Now, the Redskins would counter by saying, you know, that he he represented the best chance for them to win the game because Case Keenum wasn't playing well. I don't accept that. Case Keenum's not played well in many a game and still come back. I thought that was a horrible, horrible decision. Uh, elsewhere in the league, credit the Panthers. I thought it was a terrific win at the Texans. And again, the backup, we talked about this at the week four event. We showed pictures of all the backup quarterbacks who are currently playing. And you've got to be impressed with the way the Panthers are. I'm not sure. Uh, the human uh, walking dress shop will actually get back into that team once he's back. Uh, the other one that impressed, and you got to say, the Browns played a really good game at the Ravens. I don't think anybody was particularly expecting that. Big shout out to the Bills. I thought they took the Patriots really close and were a little bit unlucky to lose their quarterback as well. But I've got a question for you, Cameron. Okay. Which which is going to happen first? Vonty Perfect is back on the NFL field or Kyler Murray wins a game? Oh, well, uh, I think we're we're dipping into week five now. I think that Kyler Murray's going to win a game because I think Kyler Murray's possibly going to win a game in week five um, as we come round to the Baufin Bull Mark II because the Bengals against the Steelers were absolutely uh, Baufin. Honking all the Scottishisms that we can throw at them for being an absolute shambles. It was pretty limp on their side of things. It really was. I thought they would, you know, the Steelers' defense is decent. They put up eight sacks, which, you know, obviously it was it was quite funny. You know, Booger McFarland was referring to Andy Dalton as a red rifle every single time. What he didn't say was clearly he's a potato gun. Um, and <laughs> it should probably be called the red and rattled going forward because it just, it, it was just just an absolute disappointment. Fine, it was in Pittsburgh, and the Steelers have now won 17 straight home games on a Monday night. There's a statistic for you. There's a few that have actually come out of this, and to be fair, there's so many sites, but there's some great ones. The Saints one, just to touch on that, that's the first Saints win without scoring a touchdown since week eight of 1998. 
but that that was the game plan that Sean Payton drew up. He I'm wanted to do it de- deliberately to annoy the Dallas Cowboys even more. What's worse about going to somebody's home ground and not beating them? Yeah. It's when they only beat you with field goals. So that was a big Sean Payton smile to the cow. <laughs> almost kept a straight face saying that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were disappointing against the Seahawks. Do you know what? I, th- I think that Jadavian Clowney set the tone of that really early on with that massive pick six. What an impact he's had, and they will be delighted to have him in Seattle. Uh, the Texans would have been looking at that saying, hey, yeah, we could have done with some of that, as they see Kyle Allen ducking underneath the, the massive arms of J.J. Watt as he's thundering down on him. And Kyle Allen, do you know what? It's funny, we were talking about him on Sunday, and he definitely wasn't as good as he was week one. But do you know what? He did He did have a, an exceptional first game. He did enough, though, to beat that Texans team, and it is a Texans team that's got a lot of talent on defense. Uh, the QB ones that we're talking about, you know, there was a hit and miss. Jacoby Brissett struggled, but he had no T.Y. Hilton. They lost Marlon Mack later in the game. Uh, So he wasn't really playing to his usual sort of top core receivers. The other one that did really well was Gardner Minshew. And, you know, fair play to... Leonard Fournette, 225 rushing yards, which is the second most in Jags history. Fournette did everything he needed to do, uh, apart from score a touchdown, which was the only thing he didn't contribute. But I think that Minshew, and I don't know if you've seen uh, all of the games because we were travelling back through to Edinburgh at this point, but there was a point in the fourth quarter where he evaded at least four, and it was possibly even five defensive men bearing down on him as he's running around inside the pocket and managed to get the ball away and have a completion. It was brilliant. He's fascinating to watch. And I think that Minshew Mania, I I said this last week and I'm saying it again, I am 100% on board with this. I kind of hope, as much as I want to see Nick Foles play, I kind of hope that it's Minshew that's under centre when the Jaguars play the Texans at Wembley in November. He certainly could be. I, I just think Garner Minshew, I'm trying to think what that is. It sounds like it's a product. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just not quite sure what it is. You know, is it a hair care product? You know, Garner Minshew. You know, can you say Garner Minshew does your hair? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I would be it, happy to let Garner Minshew do my hair. Uh, do you know what? <laughs> I would have no issues with that whatsoever. Um, you, you've always been comfortable like that. <laughs> um, I, I'm happy for him to sell my facial hair as well. Bring it on, man. Man's got style. He's got style. Um, the Denver Broncos still got to be concerned. Zero, oh, zero and four. Zero oh and four after the four games, uh, losing at home to the Jags. Oh, not pretty in the slightest. But also losing Bradley Chubb for the rest of the season with an ACL. That's a, a real hard blow for them an exciting player who was building that relationship with Von Miller what have you that defense just hasn't been turning up in Denver if you're a Broncos fan you gotta be concerned because certainly I do not think that Joe Flacco is the man to be leading them forward he didn't have a bad game but he just doesn't do enough for me to really be a major threat I don't think Flacco's the problem. I think the 0-4 record is very harsh on them. The last couple of weeks, he's done well. He's got what you would have classed as game-winning drives, and then they just couldn't see it out. Now, you could argue it might have been clock management. Did they score too early? I don't think Flacco's the problem. I just don't think they're a particularly good team. Um, And they go to the Chargers in Week 5, so that's going to be quite an interesting one as well. I don't think they're as bad as their record suggests. The Bengals, perhaps, might be, 
I'm still surprised. I, you know, the Bengals after that week one in Seattle, you actually thought, you know, there might be something there. But I mean, they were eviscerated by the Steelers, who are themselves no great shake. So there's some interesting games coming up. I mean, they will all kick off with the Rams against the Seahawks uh, Thursday night football. And that's a tasty one. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's tasty because it's divisional. It's tasty because the Seahawks bounced back and are obviously going into this one strong on the back of a convincing win. Um, You're looking at that conference now. And actually, the 49ers are sitting top 3-0. They don't play till Monday night. At least one of the contenders is going to lose a game unless we end up with a tie. But ultimately it's it's a really interesting one you know the the rams are if you look at the points for and points against it's pretty much the same you know yep. the the seahawks have scored less but they've conceded less uh, they're both one and one at home they're both two and oh away They've both had good starts to the season. The Rams will be disappointed and will want to bounce back after that Bucks defeat. The Seahawks come in and and you know in good mood and good temperament. Um, it is a fascinating Thursday night game, and actually the Thursday night games are pretty good going forward. We've discussed previously that the the Monday night ones are rubbish, and I think that that is the case. I actually think the Niners Browns is the last decent one for a while. See, that's interesting. I mean, in, in terms of broadcasting, because you know I like all the broadcasting stuff that. You know, Rams, Seahawks, Fox have paid the money for good games on a Thursday night. They want the audience, they want to deliver, and they didn't want the gimmicky, color rushy, you know, bad games uh, that were that were previously on uh, the NFL Network. And I think CBS also had them. So you've got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They're also streamed on Amazon Prime. Now, this this country, uh, and this is slightly awkward because I know Derek Ray. Derek Ray and Tommy Smith uh, provide a stream of commentary. I still don't quite understand why anybody who loves the game and really into the game wouldn't want to listen to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I don't know whether Derek and Tommy are trying to do it more from a, a new fan's perspective. That does seem a slight strange one as far as I'm concerned. On the broadcasting thing, though, I mean, Monday night, it's got a problem. Booger McFarlane. Is the, problem. Partic- <laughs> is, is the problem. Is the problem. He's one of them. He's he's not the only problem. There's there's a lot of problems with that whole setup, to be honest. But you but you've nailed it. There's an interesting thing that Tony Roman becomes a free agent at the end of the season. You know, now Fox are going to push the boat out to keep him. I would suspect would CBS come in and try and pay a fortune for him? I don't know. But traditionally, I mean, Monday Night Football, Al Michaels. And Chris Collingworth ain't going anywhere for me. The obvious one then is is Monday Night Football. Do you make a play at Tony Romo to change the face of Monday Night Football? Now, I would go and get Ian Eagle from CBS and pair him with with Tony Romo. If I was at ESPN, that's what I'd be opening my checkbook for. But if I'm at Fox, there's no way I'd be letting... Uh, Tony Romo walk out the door. Sorry, CBS. Uh, Would I let Tony Romo walk out the door? Um, Troy Aitman and Joe Buck do a great job as the main Fox crew, but ESPN have got a problem. I think the answer for ESPN, because I don't think they would get um, Tony Romo, is to go and take Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts, the CBS 
arguably the number two crew on there. You've got two solid voices and get back just to producing a really good broadcast without trying to be gimmicky, without trying to be funny. And people would watch it. It's got a national window. What it has, though, at the moment is a, is a broken window. Yeah, indeed. Um, it will be interesting to see what they do. They definitely need to improve it substantially. It's 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 a constant noise on social media, certainly, that they'll want to get rid of if they want to improve their program and make people tune in, which is ultimately what they exist for. They're going to have to try and up their game. So it will be interesting to see what they do. Right, before we move on, because we're, we're kind of creeping into week five now already, we need to go over the awards because I forgot to do them two weeks ago. I am not forgetting to do them again. So we, for those of you that are listening for the first time, if you don't know, we do three awards every single week. We do Belter of the Week. That is a great player or great team performance. Baufin, which we've discussed already is awful honking disappointing sucks rubbish and then bob ag of the week is the biggest jerk that award sponsored by antonio brown for this whole season because it's pretty much his uh, until further notice but we have to give it up every week so at least we've got something to talk about so uh going to twitter quality smoke got in touch his belter is run cmc christian mccaffrey he's going to be great to watch when he comes to the spurs stadium yet another dominant performance i say every single week on this podcast you stop christian mccaffrey you stop the panthers you don't stop christian Christian McCaffrey, you lose to the Panthers. And that's pretty much the way it seems to go. He is an absolute monster of a player. That juggling catch that he made is just the epitome of his never-say-die attitude. He's a great player to watch. He's a constant threat. And, you know, it's a really great shout for Belter of the Week. Baufin is to the winless teams who all stay winless. So he's given them a collective there. And Bob Ag has to be Vontez perfect. It's a fair shout. Martin, he got in touch to say that Chris Godwin is his belter. What a performance from Godwin. Two touchdowns, but also absolutely instrumental in the block that allowed Ronald Jones to get his as well. A tremendous performance from him. He sat on my fantasy bench. <laughs> I don't think he was alone in sitting on people's benches. <sighs> Baufin award he gives it to Juju uh, Smith-Schuster who rocked up with a whole 15 yards last night pretty rubbish and perfect uh, was his ball bag as well uh, he adds that he loved the fact that he travelled all the way to London then got suspended and got shipped back to America so yeah <laughs> if anything that's like extra punishment I like that Matt McLaughlin, he got in touch to say his belter was Nick Chubb, who, of course, another running back, instrumental in the win over the Ravens. Do you know what? The Ravens have got to be concerned with the defense. There is a C.J. Mosley-shaped hole um, in that defense, so we'll need to speak to Gordon about that at some point, but uh, there's definitely problems there, and Nick Chubb did just power through uh, an absolutely tremendous performance from him. There's a great photo, I don't know if you've seen it, where he's running down the line, and in the background, you can just see Baker Mayfield, who's got his arm spread running down the middle of the field is brilliant <laughs> absolutely brilliant uh, Baufin performance goes to the Packers defence after three great weeks of course they had and um, they did nothing they did absolutely nothing um, and Bob Ag he gives to himself for losing his fantasy matchup by less than a point after dropping the Kansas City Chiefs defence who got 13 points for the Packers defence they got minus one clearly that's where that Baufin uh, award got influenced from uh, maybe next his belter is the Buccaneers offence Absolutely clinical against the Rams. Talk about answering your critics. Uh, Baufin was Odell Beckham Jr. Two receptions on seven targets. Rubbish. Uh, Bob Ag, he also gives it to Vontez Perfect. Uh, the NFL have finally taken serious action against a repeat offender. 
Uh, Polly, who's a regular contributor here, uh, Belter, he says, hmm, uh, can you guess who Polly's going to go for with his Belter? Well, it's, it's going to be the Saints win against the Cowboys. <laughs> Absolutely. His belter is the Buccaneers, specifically the Bucks offensive line for giving Winston the time and space to pick his targets. Special mention to Alex Kappa. We have a right guard. What a difference a week makes. His bowfin goes to Jay Gruden. The hot seat just got an awful lot hotter. Uh, ball bag for him, an easy one as well. Uh, perfect. Uh, although an honorary mention to the schedule makers for giving the Bucks a brutal schedule until November. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm getting all Paul Mitchell now. Sorry for the morning. See, you do have a reputation. I um, do, and I like it. <laughs> um, and then Long Callahan got in touch to say that his belter was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, scoring 55 points on the Rams. Let's hope they haven't used up their entire 2019 points total in the first four games of the season. Nice cheap. Dig there. Uh, ball bag goes to uh, Vontez. Perfect for him. Hits like that are just crazy in this day of player safety concerns. Baufin for him goes to the Cowboys offensive play calling this week clearly missing Michael Gallup but all week the talk was Saints Dean is susceptible to outside runs majority of runs were between the guards for a measly 1.9 yards per carry play calling was reminiscent of Linehan last season he then gives right at the end an alternative belter to Saints cornerback Marshall Lattimore for the way he played against Amari Cooper including the Oscar winning stumble to sell the second offensive pass interference call and with that Paul I'm going to hand it over to you when did the Saints last get a call off a referee come on <laughs> come on um, right I mean the belter I mean yeah Chris Gordon but I think you've got to give that to Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay nobody nobody would have expected that and it was also the first ever scoreline uh, of that nature in the NFL that makes it all the all the more special when you get a brand new scoreline 55-40 for the first ever time Baufin I mentioned it earlier. I'm giving this to the to the Redskins coaching staff. You know, it, it's like you know, you go out and you get yourself a brand new car before you've sold the other one. You're, you know, you've started the journey in the old one. You're decided it's not really comfortable enough, so you go and get the other one. And instead of starting the engine, you've got six guys pushing it. I, I just think it was an insane decision. So, so they get that. And the ball bag. Well, everybody said the ball bag. Or I mean, perfect. I mean, that's that's just dumb. Yeah, I hate dumb football, and that was dumb. I don't think he deserves a full season suspension. I think that's a different matter, but that was dumb. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on pretty much all of these. Belter, for me, is the, the whole Buccaneers organisation. I think if it was a single player, it would be Godwin anyway. I think as much as the running backs did great, the, the extra effort that Godwin put in, the, the way that he found the corner for the second touchdown, the, the block that he put in on Ronald Jones, uh, it made me sick watching it because I knew he was on my bench. Raging! I've done that so many times. Because he was questionable coming into it, because Terry McLaurin got pulled when he was questionable, I panicked. I put in Alan Robinson instead. What a shambles of a decision that was. I ultimately lost my fantasy game. But anyway, Bowfin, yeah, for me, it's between the Bengals. It's the Bengals and the Redskins. I think just 
utterly inept, limp performances. We both backed the Bengals. We both thought the Bengals would come through and do well. I actually backed the Redskins as well. So, sorry, lads, that's my bad. But oh, you owe me chicken wings, by the way. I do own you chicken wings. I thought you'd forgotten. Next time. Oh, no chance. Um, <laughs> but they were, you know, the, the Dolphins get an absolute pass on this. Uh, Josh Rosen showed little glimmers of hope in amongst all that. And um, really, the, the Redskins and the Bengals. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm probably sitting going, uh-oh, are these guys trying to get the number one pick? Because the, the race is on for who can stink the place up the worst at the moment because it's just ugly, really, really bad. Sometimes it just all seamlessly flows into one another, so you've tipped off perfectly. So let's actually have a quick look at the top five for the draft next year as it stands. So the Redskins are currently in position for pick number one. The Broncos are in position for pick number two. The Bengals are in position for pick number three. And the Dolphins currently... I didn't pick number four. <laughs> They'll be raging. They'll be raging. Imagine having a season like this and then just ending up with a fourth pick. Oh, man. Especially when you've got at least one quarterback needy team in front of you because I, I still don't think Joe Flacco's the long-term solution. I think if the Broncos are going to stick the stink the place up, they're going to go quarterback uh, in the draft next year. Um, the Redskins might not if they believe that Haskins is the man, but they've shot themselves in the foot by putting him into that position. The Bengals could probably do with a new quarterback back as well so if they yes there you go so yeah. I, I think that might surprise a few people but that is how it is at the moment the only good news for the Dolphins at the moment is they've obviously got a first round pick via the Steelers that would currently be pick number eight so if the Steelers improve obviously that will drop uh, for the Minka Fitzpatrick trade but at the moment they would have two in the top eight but I think they'd be looking certainly for one in the top two and if the other one drifted out to 10 or 12 I don't think they would mind too much but there you go that that's how it currently stands so before we officially now move on and start looking at week five we'll run through some headlines and all that and then we'll do our picks for for the next game for the next round of game sorry let's do a quick recap on how things panned out last week because we did say at the top of the show that there was one person in particular had and had an absolute honking Baufin week themselves so actually this person could have been nominated definitely for the Baufin award for this but um, I actually had a particularly good week me and Jamie both got four out of six right on our picks Gordon and yourself Paul both got three Ian got two and Charles Patterson got a big fat zero so not only did he see his Packers blow it at the end against the Eagles he then got zero out of six and I think I'll need to go back and formally check this I believe that that's the first time that that's happened in any of our pick sixes I think you're absolutely right and I think I, I think you're being harsh on Charles here that's not easy to do it's uh, do you know what you're right you're right maybe there's some respect needs to go in his general direction to be so wrong uh, to be utterly so wrong is quite a talent but i think i think we should just take a very brief moment to have a, a moment of silence for charles's week uh, just take two or three seconds think about your favorite smell and cheese and <laughs> go from and we'll go from that you know get some nice brie in your in your mind in your mind and just sit there quietly and go this one's for you charles 
Bree's French. It's not from Wisconsin. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I, I, I don't know anything about American cheese other than it's rubbery and goes on uh, uh, hamburgers. So, yeah, yes. Anyway, so Charles, we're thinking about you this week. So on to week five then, Paul. Before we do our pick sixes, what are the games that are taking your fancy? Obviously, we've got the, the Bears Raiders at the Spurs Stadium. We'll both be there. Tickets arrived today as well. So that season ticket's in. I've seen a whole lot of people on Twitter receiving them today. So, you know, there's been a lot of noise about this. Uh, the NFL came, uh, the NFL UK and Ticketmaster came out with a message saying, if they don't arrive, don't panic. You will be able to print them out. People were getting annoyed at that, which I get. But, you know, the tickets do seem to be arriving now, which is good. Um, that's obviously the headline game for us here in the UK because we get to, to, to go and see it. But what else is taking your fancy? I, I cannot wait for Sunday. I think that will be an absolutely amazing experience. So looking forward to it. Now, it's interesting. So the week is Fox in the national window. So CBS uh, have their main game at one o'clock. Now, I was looking at these. You know, what are you going to do? Jags, Panthers, Patriots, Redskins, meh. Bills, Titans, Ravens, Steelers may get some love. I don't think they would have picked, certainly before the Monday night game took place. It'd be interesting to see how they juggle there. I think Fox have got the better of things this week because I think one of the national stories that's just come out is the Buccaneers doing so well in Los Angeles. And that changes the Bucs Saints, which I think adds an interest. Normally you'd go Bucs Saints home win. I think it's interesting as far as that's concerned yeah I think that's probably the big game at the six o'clock ones isn't it Uh, the only other one for me that's of interest uh, just because of the storylines I'm not sure how competitive it's going to be is the Vikings Giants just because Daniel Jones obviously you know he's won his first two games as a starter he's the first Giants quarterback to do that since 1997 Although, to be fair, there's not been many starters have played two games in that window because Eli Manning's been there for so long. But it's still a really solid, impressive start from him. How will he do against a Vikings team that had been playing, starting to be playing pretty well, but were really limp against the Bears? The Vikings need this. I'm, I'm telling you, the Vikings need this, or this their season is sizzling away. So I think I think they desperately need this. It's obviously the best team the Giants have come up against. It's a real bellwether game, I think, for both teams. I think Jets Eagles. Just to give a wee shout out to the Eagles. I mean, coming off his Achilles injury, Brandon Brooks is PFF's highest-rated guard through four games. I think that's a great thing to come back from such an injury and to do that. So big props to him. I think the Eagles will will continue their winning ways. Broncos Chargers is a bit meh. The Packers Cowboys, Packers, well, I mean, both teams coming off a losing week, perhaps unexpectedly in some quarters. And the big Sunday night game, Colts at the Chiefs. Again, the luster probably taken off a little with the Colts failing to beat the Raiders last week. And see if the Chiefs had lost, that would have been an interesting game just to see how they come back at home. Uh, Browns at 49ers. I mean, the 49ers are tearing things up at the moment. You must be absolutely delighted. I think you said it earlier, this is a national game that's got a bit of buzz around it. And if I had to pick one game... Um, to watch on TV it would be the Browns and 49ers this week yeah I think so I think that it'll be really interesting to see how the 49ers cope with a Browns that are on the ascendancy we we the Niners I think the front seven is really good so if they can stop 
Chubb, then they've got an opportunity to force Baker to go through the air. The risk with that is the secondary is not the best. So if Landry and Beckham can find some form, they could cause a lot of damage. On the other side of things, how are we going to stop Miles Garrett? That's a big part of this. You know, we do have uh, an improving offensive line. I think it's good. It's going to need to be good. I think this is going to need Shanahan at his best. The fact that it's in San Francisco will help. I think that this is a really tasty game. Uh, it will be one that I'll be, I won't be sitting up to watch it, but I'll be getting up first thing on Tuesday and I'll try and watch that game in full. Uh, it's, it's really fascinating. And I think that, do you know what? It's one that, if the Niners lose, it's not the end of the world because the other teams in the division um, are going to be in a similar place. Um, you know, there's going to be a four and one team there, barring a draw. They would be three and one themselves against a Browns team that now that they're finding their groove, suddenly the oh the Browns are going to the Super Bowl chat is starting all over again. <laughs> we didn't think it well, would go away for long. No, but it's interesting. I think from the 49ers' point of view, the following week they go to the Rams. Now, if they can go to the Rams 5-0, and I think you can then game plan to really have a go. It's almost like a free hit at the Rams. If you lose, you then go to 3-1. and You probably don't want to do that against the Rams because if you drop that, you're 3-2 and and some of the luster starts to come off. Interestingly, the 49ers at Rams has not been flexed out uh, in, in television parlance, there was some thought that NBC might replace the Steelers at Chargers with the 49ers at Rams, but they have decided not to do so. And also next week, it is CBS in the national window at 425. So the 49ers-Rams game will be a regional game only on Fox. Mm, so that will be interesting. Um, this is the weird week this week as well, where there's only two late games which is a shame, I guess, for those of us going to the game uh, at Spurs because the Bears-Raiders is a 6pm kickoff. We're in the stadium watching a game while all the other games are taking place. By the time that's finished and you're heading to a pub and you found a pub, you're going to have missed probably most of the first quarter of the Broncos-Chargers game meaning that the only thing that you've got coming up is Cowboys-Packers. Now, thankfully, that's actually quite a tasty game just for what you said. They're both coming into this on the back of a defeat when maybe people didn't expect them to lose. It will be interesting to see if Green Bay can go down to Dallas and do what they need to do to get back on track. But, yeah, not a lot of games to watch later on. Um, well, I mean, you'll, you'll be hoping to be home in time to watch the Colts against the Chiefs by the time you've you know spent your time at the Tottenham Stadium and wandered around the local uh, establishments. Yes. Um, so you, you might be home in time to watch that. You never know. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, so, yeah, it's inter- there are some good games. And actually, when we look at the pick six games, I think we've got another week where these could go either way. Can Charles go another week with an own six? That'll be the challenge, eh? We'll all be waiting to see what Charles picks first before we all make our decisions. Um, or can he bounce back and do a six and all the other way around, get himself right back in it? Because the scores on the doors at the moment, like I say, I gave what we did last week, but Paul, you're leading with 14. Uh, Jamie's in second place with 13. Then it's myself and Gordon with 12. Ian and Charles with 10 at the bottom. But this week's six, Paul. First up, it's the Jags at the Panthers. It is Minshew versus Allen. Nobody thought we'd be saying that. 
week one. Uh, <laughs> the, the, this is a fascinating game. Absolutely fascinating. Two backup quarterbacks, but two backup quarterbacks who are actually making a really good pitch for the job at the moment. I'll take the Panthers. I think home field advantage probably just tells here. Yeah, so for me, I actually think whether Jalen Ramsey plays or not, has a huge bearing on this one. The Panthers' defense looks good and to be improving, and they're kind of holding things up. You know, Deshaun Watson was really stopped, and um, we didn't touch on this, but I, I don't know if you've seen his interview where he goes through some of the detail when he's asked about the coverage. Uh, it's fascinating to hear from him exactly the amount of detail that's into this and why he couldn't find the people he wanted to find. He said himself he just wasn't on it on a couple of them, but he really struggled to get the space and to, for the players to get the separation that they needed to do to be a real threat I thought the Panthers did a really good job of that and against Minshew you got to worry the, the, the both teams are going to rely on the running game I think the running game for the Panthers is way better than the running game for the the Jaguars and yeah it, the Jags need to stop Christian McCaffrey I, I say it every week if they can stop Absolutely. McCaffrey yeah. they've got a chance if they can't stop McCaffrey if Miles Jack loses his rag early doors and ends up ejected again or something like that or if he just can't get to his man then the Jags are going to have a long afternoon so I, I back I agree with you I'm back in the Panthers on this game two in the pick six is Bills at Titans Right, I, I am going to spook Tennessee Titans fans everywhere by going for the Titans to actually win two on the bounce. They have got to figure out a way to follow up a good win. And they've got the chance. I like the Bills. I think they're a really solid, decent team. Quarterback status, is, as we talk, uncertain. And I think that tips it for the Titans for me. I thought Matt Barkley did okay when he came on, actually. Um, I, I agree. I think that if Josh Allen isn't there, it makes it a much tougher task for the Bills, especially to go to Tennessee and do what they need to do. I think that Frank Gore, we've not touched on the fact that he became only the fourth running back ever to get over 15,000 rush yards. I've seen a lot of chat about whether or not he should end up in the Hall of Fame or not. I think with those numbers, though he's perhaps not had a single season that stands out like some of the absolute best ever. Um, he's been exceptional for so long and he's played at such a high standard throughout all of his career that he's got to be in that Hall of Fame. And he's ultimately going to finish above Barry Sanders. He's going to be the third um, most rushing yards I'm pretty certain barring a, a ridiculous injury or something like that so Brown to see him do that I think he'll continue to be a threat I think the Titans defence can be hit and miss I think the offence is the same and that Bills defence was legitimately good um, it's you know to hold Tom Brady to just 150 yards no touchdowns Tom had been on fine form, uh, but the Bills answered that, really, they did. Uh, they kept themselves in the game. Uh, they could have won it at the end. Uh, I, I'm going to back the Bills on this. I think they're going to keep that going. Uh, I think the hype on them is real, and I think they're a legitimately good team. On then to Game 3, which we're christening the Baufin Bowl Part 2, because the Cardinals, the winless Cardinals, travel to the winless Bengals. The Bengals will be winless no more. Oh. I think there you go. That, that was said with a, a great deal of confidence and a little <laughs> bit of flair. Uh, no, I I think I don't know if anybody has ever called Andy Dalton the Red Rifle, um, but I think this is an opportunity for some shooting to be done, and I think the Bengals will win. Okay, um, I've got the Cardinals in this one. I think that Kyler Murray's starting to just get into a little bit of a groove at times. I think that David Johnson's playing really well. Larry Fitzgerald's now the second most receiver yards or something. Actually, what is the stat? Second most receptions in NFL history. 
you know, he's still contributing to that team. Um, I think that the of the two, the Cardinals have shown more to make me think there's something about them than the Bengals have shown since week one. Other than week one, I think the Bengals have just been a disappointment and I fear that that's going to continue for them in Cincinnati. Um, I also think that Scotty, who's a listener to the show, is heading over to the Bengals and he's never seen them win. Oh, so, wow. Uh, I think his record something like 6-1. and one. That one is a tie and the six is totally in the defeat column. So... I don't know if he'll break his personal streak. Scotty will be listening to this, so good luck, Scotty. If you lose again, it's 100% your fault. Um, and I've got the Cardinals to win this one. Okay. Chance for you to go homer. Bucks at Saints up next. Well, I want this move to Sunday night because on Sunday night football since 2006, the Saints are 12-0. and 0. Uh, They've been so impressive, but I don't think they need to make it on Sunday night. They'll be tucked up, ready to watch a game, having beaten the Tampa Bay Bucks. I, I could be wrong, but I'm not expecting them to, to do it again. I thought Tampa Bay's defense last week held Todd Gurley to just 16 rushing yards, which was really, really impressive. But Jared Goff did throw for 517 yards against them. That's, now, that was the eighth most in NFL regular season history. So I, th- I think there's, there's gaps there, um, and I think the Saints will exploit them. Yeah, this for me is really interesting as well. I think, though, that the Buccaneers are the one team that have stopped Christian McCaffrey this season. I think if they can stop Kamara being a threat, then they let the, the defence focus in on Bridgewater because Bridgewater's going to have to throw the ball. I don't think he's looked all that great with it. Lots of short passes. Uh, Michael Thomas was uh, pulling them in as he always does, but it's just not the same deep threat that you get with Drew Brees. I think this is a really tough one to call. I think the fact that it's at New Orleans gives it big advantage to the Saints. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm coming down on the side of the Saints as well. I've been flirting back and forward with this one. I was going to go Bucks just to back against you, but no, I think, this, I think the Saints will do enough at home to be able to grind out a victory in this one. The Sunday night, the 9.25 game for us then, is the Packers at the Cowboys. Fascinating. I mean, Dak against, you know, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, he's the first player head coach in the history of the league uh, for a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced it's working out in Green Bay. Charles will be able to come on the podcast soon and talk to us a little bit more. They had that great first three weeks. The defence went missing last week. The Cowboys have to bounce back. And again, I think just the, the, the strength of the way that Dak Prescott's been playing, we'll, we'll see the Cowboys uh, through this one. Yeah, so I kind of agree with this. Michael Gallup probably still going to miss this one. Not definite, but likely to. I think that the... See, if he's if he's going to miss the game, do, do people get to guess about this, you know, whether he's going to miss it or not? You know, because it's been a while since we've had a reliable Gallup poll. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, sorry, it's been uh... that kind of day. <laughs> I think we should just end this one now. Um <laughs> Oh dear, you've put me off my train of thought. Right, um, yes, uh, I agree with you though. I think the Cowboys get this one. I think that the the Packers will be reeling. I think that the defence got shown up and the Eagles have given the Cowboys the script for how to beat them. 
and I think that that will be how they do it. There's going to be a lot of stuff done on the ground. I think Ezekiel Elliott will have an absolute monster day against that Packer defense, and I think that he will be key. So I don't think Dak needs to do much. I think he just needs to hand the ball off, get Zeke running through. And I mean, look at Jordan Howard, who's not done anything for so long, and the night that he had up in Lambeau. I think that Zeke can be a big, big part of this. So I agree. I have the Cowboys winning. And then we'll complete the rounds with the Browns at the 49ers. See, this is a difficult one because, you know, I could force you to back against your team again, uh, which would be a little bit naughty. Um, But I always like to try and you know, taking away team somewhere along the line. So I'm, I'm going to go the Browns just to, just to be different and to see if you've got the confidence to take your team. No, I don't. I've backed against them every week so far and they've won every single week that we they've been in it. I'm doing the same. I'm back in the Browns. I think the Browns are going to go in there. I think the wheels are coming off. I'm an absolute coward. I'm a stickler for superstition. <laughs> I'm sticking right, well, with it. <laughs> I'm changing my mind and I'm right, going okay. Jimmy G. I'm all in on Jimmy G. I'm going to San Fran. And you've got every right to stick it to me again next week if I'm wrong. <laughs> but I'm sticking. It's worked for me so far. It's worked for me so far. I actually do think this is a really even one. I think it'll be a fascinating watch. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a weird one because obviously I'll be rooting for Jamie Gillen. Um, and of course, from speaking to Jamie, one of the other teams that was interested in him other than the Browns was the 49ers. So, you know, he could well have ended up there. That would have been an absolute dream for me. But anyway... Um, yeah, it will be um, the Browns that will that will do enough. I actually think that um, Odell Beckham's going to go off on this one. I think our secondary is a concern. And if Baker Mayfield can find the time to find these receivers, they could do some real damage. So I've got the Browns in this one. Right, well, that completes then everything for the Pickham. Uh, sorry, our pick six. On to the Pickham. Uh, a quick update on that one. So we've got two people sitting at the top in that uh, of our Pick'em, sponsored by McBookie. We've got Spain and Daniel Gillespie, both with 43. We've got then two people, Max Reed, 1999, and Drew Brees, bowling goalie. I wonder who he supports. Um, <laughs> both with 42 points. Then there is Adam Ingram, Saints 87, Lewis Steele, Chimp, Akabras, oh dear, I should have read these first, and Jordan DUFC plus Oz82 and Levion on a prayer, all of those with 41, then it's down into 12th place onwards with 40 I'm currently sitting with 38 so, you know, I'm not, not a million miles away, I think I'm sitting in 36th place just having a quick scan through to see if I can see anyone else from the podcast team, and no I can't, so there you go I'm currently sitting top um, when it comes to all the games of the podcast team. But there you go. So, well played for that. Well yeah. played. And it's not too late to take part in this. Of course, you know, there's certainly people are ahead, but you just never know. You could just get a couple of, you know, full marks uh, every single week. You could catch up quickly. Great prizes on the line. We've got to thank McBookies once again. We've got to thank our sponsors as well. The Golf Tavern, the home to watch NFL in Edinburgh. Get along there and watch in the Edinburgh fan zone Uh, the NFL fan zone in the Golf Tavern. Get along to Committee Room 9 in Glasgow as well. It was a great place to watch the football. Massive bar, loads of screens. They show both places, show the Red Zone and the Live Sky game. Great atmosphere in both locations. So make sure you go and check them out. 
Absolutely, because I was really impressed with committee room nine. First time I'd been in there trying to get back to the golf very soon. Just before we go, Cameron, yeah. because we're running out of time, we have a giveaway for this week. When I was in the States, I picked up a, a, a lanyard for the Bears and yeah. a lanyard for the Raiders, and we're going to be giving them away this week. We'll give away both lanyards. The competition will follow on Twitter later in the week. So if you're not making it to London, and I know sometimes it can be annoying hearing people, I'm going to this game. Uh, we're fortunately, we are going down to London. We are traveling separately because the same we rule. We don't actually like each other. Well, well, there's that, but it's the president <laughs> and the vice president. We're not allowed to travel on the same the same aircraft for the good of the podcast so uh, i I think that that's that's pretty important but yeah looking forward to the the competition coming out really looking forward to going down to to the the spurs stadium and having a look now i'm doing the tour on the monday which we were going to touch on last week it's 40 quid to do the nfl stadium tour at spurs I will tell you next week whether it's worth it or not, because I have to say it sounds, I think, double the price of what I would have really liked to pay. Uh, But we'll see if it's worth it or not. Yeah, I'm dubious to this one. I think the fact even that it's £30 to do the Spurs football tour at the same stadium, where's that extra tenor coming from? The only difference that I can see is that you get to be in the room with the Lombard, uh, the Vince Lombard trophy. But you used to get that for free at any single one of the, the fan rally events that they had. So I'm cynical on this one. I think it feels like a bit of a rip personally. But I uh, will remain open-minded, Paul. I'll let you influence me. Um, I know <laughs> that you value the the, the, the pound, uh, and therefore we will we'll see if you think it's worth giving away 40 of them for the honour to, to walk around an empty stadium. Uh, time will tell on that one. But if you compare it right away to even Wembley, I've done the Wembley tour. It's £19, I think. Yep. 19 yeah. Um it's brilliant, and I would say if you get the opportunity to do the Wembley tour, do it. Even to just go into the uh, England locker room and boo, which is what I took every opportunity <laughs> to do. I also noised up the guy giving our tour by pointing out to him that I thought that the Hamden press conference area was better than the one at Wembley. That's pretty much all that Hamden has over Wembley. But do you know what? I stand by that statement. The press conference section, the press conference room, miles better at Hamden than it was at uh, Wembley. So anyway, I don't think the guy was particularly impressed. He'd been chatting no, but- to me up until that point. He didn't really speak to me much after that but he'll ah you're gonna fly the flag you got right um any other news tickling your fancy no i mean that's about it i think it was just a really good week of action i think there's some great games coming up and i'm you know looking forward to getting down to london um looking out for saints fans who no doubt you know shout the hood at and just having some good uh, some good football and some good conversation definitely i think if you see us down there do come and say hi we'd love to hear from you come and give us a bit of blether i i'll certainly i don't know what pubs i'll be in but i'll be in some pubs when i'm down there uh we've also got charles patterson's going to be at the game for sky which is great so he's actually going to be behind the scenes we'll be chatting to him about that after the two london games once we're back we'll we'll get him on the pod and we'll find out what that was like for him so yeah like you i just can't wait i can't wait to go to the stadium i can't wait to see what it's all about so really looking forward to it but anyway that concludes everything then for episode 68 keep your feedback coming make sure that you follow us on twitter at scotland nfl and on facebook www.facebook.com forward slash scotland nfl 
Please keep sharing the podcast with your NFL friends. Give us a review on iTunes if you can. That'd be very helpful. And keep interacting on Twitter and Facebook. It is Next Stop London. And as you can hear, we're really excited about heading to the new Spurs Stadium for the first ever NFL game place to take place there. We've also got a giveaway this week. We've mentioned it already ahead of the Bears Raiders game. Look out for that on our social media feeds. Maybe see you in London if you're heading down. If not, we'll speak next week as we'll digest all the highlights from week five. But until then, bye for now.